Now, this morning, we're continuing our series, Myth Mythbusters. And of course, the objective is to try to discredit or prove wrong widely held myths and wrong beliefs about finances. And, uh, you know, honestly, um, you know, I, I am not the most confident at teaching about finances, not because I don't have a strong conviction about what I'm teaching, but because of what I know is out there. I know that uh, many people struggle uh, with churches talking about money, and some of it is legitimate because of the abuse of, of pastors and leaders misusing finances but partly because of uh, the myth that, you know, all churches want is your money and they just want to, you know, fleece the sheep instead of feed the sheep. And so, uh, and I know some people have a resistance. You know, one of the last things that people can really surrender to the Lord is the area of their finances because it's a powerful force in our life, whether we will agree uh, or not. Amen. And so I just want you to know, I'm not teaching about money because we can't pay our bills. Our bills are paid. And uh, I want you to know that we're in accountability here with our money. And uh, you can have a financial report if you want. I see Brother Francis sitting on the second row right here. He's part of the finance board. I can't spend uh, more than a certain amount of money without getting their approval. And so uh, we have presbyters. We have a financial board. We just try to make ourselves as countable as possible because I don't want to be on Channel 3 News. And I don't want to hear the wrong words when I get to heaven because I will be accountable not for just my life but the way that I pastored this church. Amen? So I just want you to know that as I begin today uh, one of the financial myths or wrong mindsets I believe that is common even in church is that biblical tithing is irrelevant for today. And you might be of that persuasion but some people don't believe that tithing is relevant for today. Because they believe that tithing was of the Old Testament law. And they believe that tithing was done away with when Jesus came and established a new covenant of grace. And you might have heard that. But is tithing really no longer relevant for today? Or is that thinking a myth, a wrong mindset that we've believed? Now the Bible says in Colossians 2.8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul says, don't get captured by human thinking, human philosophy. Human philosophy means thought patterns or belief systems that are not biblical, that are wrong. And we can become captured by wrong mindsets about even finances. Wrong financial mindsets can be the very thing that hinders and keeps us from enjoying the blessed life. How many of you know the Bible says we look through the glass dimly? You know what that means? We don't know everything. And we're not going to know everything. And sometimes we have, we're good godly people. We love Jesus, but sometimes we're captured by wrong mindsets and we don't even realize that we are. And so Paul says, be careful about taking the philosophies of the world and incorporating them into your Christianity. So this morning, I want to try to build the case that biblical tithing is still relevant for today. One amen. I'm going to say it again, see if I can get a few more. 
I want to build, I want to try to build a case today that biblical tithing is still relevant for today. Now is, is it, is it, is tithing Old Testament law that was done away with? Is that true? Or is tithing part of the new covenant promise? So listen, it's pretty clear that tithing was not of the law, but it's of the new covenant promise. In fact, Galatians tells us that the law, which was given 430 years after the covenant promise to Abraham, thus, uh, thus do not, does not do away with the promise. Galatians 3.16 says, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. And the scripture does not say into seeds, meaning many people, but into your seed, meaning the person who is Christ. And what I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. So tithing was part of the new covenant promise to Abraham. And he says, it, just because we have the, in the covenant of grace, it does not do away with the old covenant of promise. And so tithing was practiced before the law was given. And we see that in Genesis 14. In the opening chapters of the Bible, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And it says in Genesis 14, 18, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abraham some bread and wine, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham with his blessing. Blessed be Abraham, the, the God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be God most high, who defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now, you know, if you're familiar with that story, uh, Abraham, the Lord gave Abraham a decisive victory over five kings that had captured his relative and his nephew Lot. And God gave him a decisive victory over that. And so after the victory, they had all this plunder. Abraham received this plunder and he gives Melchizedek a tenth. The very first thing he did was to tithe and give Melchizedek a tenth of the plunder he recovered from his enemies. Now that's important to note that it was a full 430 years before the Mosaic law was ever given or introduced in, in, uh, in, in the New Testament. So according to the book of Hebrews... Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Some theologians believe it was Christ himself. But it says there uh, in Hebrews 5, in verse 8, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for the, all those who obey him. And God designated him to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so here's the point. Abraham was our spiritual father. And he tied to Melchizedek, who is a type of Christ, long before the law was ever given. And so the principle of tithing goes all the way back to the opening chapters of Genesis. Tithing is a principle of grace. It's really not an Old Testament principle of the law. And so besides even, even, even if tithing were of the law, the righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. And Jesus makes that clear in Matthew 5 and 17. He said, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So Jesus says to the church, I didn't come to put an end to the law of Moses. I came to accomplish or to fulfill its purpose. And then in verse 20, he says, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus 
calls for those of us who are born again in, in the new covenant of grace to go beyond the righteousness of law. The righteousness and expectations of grace always exceeds the righteousness and expectations of the law. For example, the law says, thou shalt not murder. Jesus takes it a step further and he says, don't even be angry with your brother. It's further than the law. Another example of, 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 uh, of the law of grace exceeding the law, the righteousness of the law. The Mosaic law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says don't even look at a woman lustfully. So when someone says I don't need to tithe because I'm not under law, but I'm under grace, we should be, or we should ask the question, is it okay to murder because that was Old Testament law? Should, should we ask the question, is it okay to commit adultery because that was Old Testament law and now we're under grace? We can commit adultery and we can murder now. That's, that's ridiculous, right? And so the point is, even if tithing were under the law, but it's not, we still shouldn't dismiss the principle of tithing. Come on, does that make sense? By the way, if we are grace givers and give according to the righteousness of grace, then we should give more than 10%. Because the righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. According to Jesus, if tithing is of the law, then grace givers should give more than a tithe. Somebody said it like this. For born-again Christians, tithing should be the training wheels of giving. Tithing should be the training wheels of giving. Tithing should be the ground floor, not the ceiling of our giving. Now, some people argue Jesus never taught about tithing in the New Testament, but that's not true. Jesus affirmed the importance of tithing in Matthew 23, 23. He said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens and you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, some people read that and reason after reading that passage. Jesus didn't care about tithing. He was more concerned about justice, merciful, being merciful, and living in faith. But notice what Jesus says, the latter part of verse 23. You should tithe, yes, but not neglect the more important things. What was he saying? The meticulous tithing of your herbs, you should have done. Yes, you should tithe and not neglect the more important things. But it's amazing how we can hear what we want to hear and we can, we can uh, hear what's not being said when we have a stronghold in our life. It causes you to be blind to what's obviously there. And so what we just read is one of the most amazing scriptures in the entire uh, Bible on tithing. Jesus affirmed the importance of tithing. Now, why should every Christian tithe? There's, I'm going to give you four, but there's probably a hundred. But let me just give you four. The first one is tithing honors the Lord. And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Did you know you can either honor the Lord with your money or you can dishonor the Lord with your money? Tithing is a form of worship. It's easy to say, I love Jesus. They say, well, put some skin in the game. Maybe we could say, put some greenbacks in the game. Do you really? But tithing is a form of worship. It's an act of reverence and respect and honor for him. 
It's an offering of gratitude and thanksgiving for his blessing and provisions in your life. How many of you are grateful for the Lord and his grace over your life? You see, tithing, listen, is really a response of your heart that's triggered by an appreciation for God's grace. Amen? So we honor God financially by giving him the first fruits of all of our increase. The second reason every Christian should tithe is this. Tithing teaches to put God first. Deuteronomy 14.22 says, you must tithe all your crops every year. And of course, at that time, that was the form of currency, was crops. Bring this tithe to, to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithe or grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing, listen to this, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. So according to this passage, the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God always first. Now, notice it says always. You know what I've found? It's not uncommon for God to be first in our life at some point. But then later on, he takes a second seat or a third seat. And so tithing is a way of keeping him first. How many of you know he's not willing to take second seat? He doesn't play second fiddle. He's God. Amen? And so listen, how does tithing teach you to always put God first? Well, Jesus answers the question in Matthew 6. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus reminds us that our hearts always follow our giving. You know what we give to? What we like. Well, let me say it again. You know what we give to? What we love. Some of us spend a lot of money on golf. You know why? We love golf. Come on, y'all help me. Say amen. Come on, some of us spend a lot of money in the mall. You know why? Yeah. All right. I think I need to move on. You see, whether we admit it or not, money has so much power and influence in our life. It really does. And money money can easily become our God that we put our trust, that we put our hope in. You know, our currency says in God we trust. But I think that even as Christians, we can be putting more trust in money than we do in God. Because sometimes we put more emphasis on making money than we do in worshiping God. Uh Uh-oh. When you tithe, you're actually giving power and influence over your life to God because your money follows your giving and it keeps you from being mastered and controlled by money. Listen, when Israel at some point turned and drifted away from God, you know what God did? He taught taught them why their hearts had drifted and he taught them how to get their hearts back. And this is what he said in Malachi 3. For since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. He's saying your heart is drifted. You need to return. But you ask, how are we to return? Good question. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes? And offerings. So Jesus, or excuse me, the Lord addresses the nation of Israel when they drifted away on how to get them back on track. He says, you need to put your money where your mouth is. You say you love me, put your money there. Come on, say amen. 
When the nation of Israel's heart drifted, the Lord knew exactly how to get them back. Why bring tithes and offerings? Because our hearts follow our giving. Tithing teaches you to put God first in your life and keeps you from being mastered by money. Listen, you know what? One of the worst things that could happen to you and I is that we have a windfall of money. It'll mess up our life. Money has power. Money has influence. And you heard me tell the story. One pastor just sold it all. He, he threw in the towel of his Christianity over a new bike. And it makes me think, man, what can the Lord trust me with? And so we have to be careful, right? And so a third reason every Christian should tithe is tithing breaks the curse and keeps the devour off your life. And that's what Malachi 3.8 says. Will a man rob God? Yet, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You were cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Now it's amazing to me how many people try to overlook this scripture or try to explain it away. I want you to notice two things about this passage. First, the Lord equates someone not tithing as robbing him. Ooh, that's pretty strong medicine right there. Right? Number two, the Lord equates someone not tithing to being cursed with a curse. That's strong medicine right there. Another myth Christians believe is people wrongfully think, I can't experience any curse in my life because Jesus bore the curse of the law for me on the cross. And he did. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on the tree. But listen, didn't Jesus take the curse of sin and sickness and grief as well? But we still battle with those things. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, surely he bore our grief, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're healed. Jesus took the curse of those things off of us. But the truth is, Jesus did take the curse of sin, sickness, and grief off of us, but we still battle with that. Why? The fact is we must all appropriate by faith what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have to appropriate it. And when we don't, we continue to experience some of the effects of the curse. And even as born-again believers, if we disobey the word of God, we still experience some of the effects of the curse. Listen, you can be born again, but if you dishonor and disrespect your parents, the Bible says it's not going to be well with you. Born again or not. Come on, y'all help me this morning. Listen, God doesn't curse us. I believe we curse ourselves when we walk away from the plan and the will of God. Amen? You know, I think of it like this. You know, I, I, whenever I think about, you know, this whole principle, I think of it like, you know, the Bible says God is our refuge. He's our protection. And I believe, you know, when you're walking with the Lord, it's like you're walking under a spiritual umbrella. And so I believe that whenever we're walking with the Lord, we're protected. And I believe the rain that we're protected from is the fiery missiles of the evil one. And so when we decide, I'm not going to follow the will of God, it's not the Lord cursing us. We're getting out of his protection. We're choosing to get under the umbrella of the fiery missiles of the evil one. Come on, are y'all with me? 
And so what does tithing do? It gets you in the secret place. It gets you under the umbrella of his protection. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense to me. See, God doesn't curse us. We get cursed and harmed when we walk away from his protection. And I think I'm just going to keep it. It keeps the light off of me. I'll just keep preaching right here. Amen. But, you know, I like visuals, but I want you to see, you know, we have to see that. You know that everywhere in the scripture, the Lord talks about greed. He talks about covetousness. You know, when the Bible says, bring your tithe, it doesn't say give your tithe. You know why it doesn't say give your tithe, bring your tithe? Because the tithe is not ours. It's, you can't give what's not yours. You can't give the tithe. You got to bring the tithe because it's God's to begin with. Why is it God's? He said, I want it. Why does he want it? He wants to help us. Come on, I'm I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. Amen? And so a third reason every Christian should tithe is this. Tithing positions you to be blessed by God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you and it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vats... Your vine in the fields cast his grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, that's good news right there. Amen. And so he says, when you're willing to commit to tithing and turn your hearts and turn over your finances to the Lord. This is what he says. Two things we can expect. Number one, God promises to open up the windows of heaven. Amen. And pour out a blessing. And number two, he says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for you. Now, I believe the reason tithing opens the windows of heaven is because of this. Because tithing gets and keeps your heart right with God. And it keeps you under the umbrella. Tithing keeps you under the umbrella. Why why is the devourer rebuked in our life? Because we have his protection. But as long as I obey him, I'm under his protection. It's just like your children. You will provide for them if they stay under your umbrella. But if if they take off and do their own thing, they'll be like the prodigal son, eating pig's food. Amen? And so we need to to realize that, that tithing is an important principle that every Christian should participate in. And so let me just, you know, uh, Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vines will overflow with good wine. You know, listen, there's nothing. Listen, I know God can give you creative thoughts and ingenuity and all that. But the best thing that you you and I can have is God's touch on our life. You see, whenever God says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, we automatically say, yeah, I've been tithing. But man, if you check my checkbook right now, it's not like the windows are open in heaven. And we totally look at God's blessing in the way of finances or just money. But how many of you know he could keep your sewing machine going? He could keep your washing machine going. He can keep your tires from wearing out quicker than they should. Come on, how many of you know the Lord can watch over you and he can help you and he can protect you and he can bless you and he can just cause things to happen. And, you know, since we just started this, I've heard two stories in the last week of how God is just doing things for people that already, I mean, God is just doing some amazing things. 
But let's talk about the nuts and bolts of tithing and then we'll go. Truths to consider. The first, the first is this. The tithe must be brought to God's house. And the Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that they may be food in my house. Notice it says, so that they may be food in my house. God's storehouse is, or the storehouse is God's house. It's the place you get fed spiritually, the place that you get shepherded spiritually. What if you want to tithe to some TV evangelist, the missions organization, an organization or some worthwhile humanitarian thing. Why, why, why not just tie there? Here's what I think. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Why do I think tithing to the church? Well, of course, you're the pastor. And you, you, of course you would say that. You're the pastor of the house, so you say, bring your money over here. Well, of course, why wouldn't you say something else? But I want to remind you, I'm going to give an account for how I use my money and how I use your money. I am under a double accounting system from the Lord. But remember, I believe that the very thing, the reason why God wants us to bring it to his house, because it keeps you from becoming self-righteous because of your good deeds, because what, what we tend to do is if we help somebody, we say, I help that person. And it causes us, it can cause us to be self-righteous. The Bible says giving to the poor and all that is our righteousness. But we can become self-righteous. And it also causes you to release total control of your finances. And listen, that's the very thing that the Lord wants to free us from. The control of our finances. He wants to, first of all, keep us deal with the pride of our life, but he also wants to provide for the house of God. Amen? And so listen, remember me telling that story about after I got saved and the Lord started dealing with me about tithing my savings account and I started rebuking the, de the devil and saying, you lie, I, I rebuke that thought. And the Lord just kept dealing with me and, and I'd say, Lord, that was before I was saved. And he kept, and I finally did. And whenever I did, something broke off my life. Could it be that maybe the Lord wants to break a poverty mentality? He wants to break a spirit that's on us, the spirit of mammon that's on us. And he's waiting for us to just be willing to surrender what's most important to us because he's wanting to do something supernaturally in our life. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on, I, that's why I think it's the storehouse. You bring it. Yeah, but what if Todd goes build a, a condo in Florida? Pray for him. The fire's going to be hot. Amen? But Brother Francis will make sure I don't do that. All right? Now, the second truth to consider is this. You must tithe willingly and with the right attitude. And the 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You know, don't give because you have to. Give because you want to. Amen? Don't give grudgingly. Give cheerfully. Give in appreciation. Give with gratitude. Amen? Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Come on. Does anybody like when somebody says, uh, I'm going to give you something, all right, but I don't really want to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you. I hate that I have to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you. And you're like, man, keep your stuff. 
I don't want your stuff, man. If you can't give it to me cheerfully, I don't want your stuff. And I think God's saying, look, if you can't give cheerfully, keep your money, man. Come on. I'm, I'm looking for the attitude. I'm looking for the appreciation, the gratitude. Come on. Do we realize that God is the reason why we showed up today? Do we realize it's God that's making our heart tick right now? Do we realize that we wouldn't have no breath God if God hadn't shared his breath with us? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't go to work. And there would be no money to decide what to do with. Thank God he gives us health. Amen. Come on. We got to get the proper perspective of it. Is he Lord of all or is he Lord not at all? Amen. Come on. It's, it's, a, it's an act of appreciation and gratitude. It's an act of worship. Our tithe must be given first. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your borns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, if you, it's important to notice that he says first. In, in Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 6, 33, is it that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God? Seek first. Why does he say seek first? What's most important should be first. See, if God's first, he should be first in the day. If he's first, he should be first in your money. If I had 10 $1 bills spread out right here, one, two, three, ten. Which is my tithe, this first one or the last one? It's the first one I spend. It's the first one I spend. It should be first. Matthew 3.10 says, bring the, or Malachi 3.10. No, let me try that again. Exodus 23.19, there we go. The first of the first fruits of your land, you should bring into the house of the Lord your God. You know, the Lord just began dealing with me. It's like, you know, you get busy in life and you, you know, you make sure your light bill's paid so you keep the lights on and all that. And I was finding myself a week, 10 days before I tithe. And the Lord began dealing with it. That's not first. Your commitment is slipping. Your reverence is slipping. It needs to be the first. The first of the first fruits. Amen. And I hear some of our young people, they just get it to come right out of their bank account. I need to check into that. Why? Because I want it to be first. Because he's first. And he has to be first. Because if he's not first, I'm in trouble. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Folks, listen, he don't want to be one of many lovers in my life. He wants to be the number one. He's a jealous God. He, he, doesn't, he don't want me to have other gods. He wants me and only me. He wants me to have eyes for him and eyes for him only. Amen. And come on, that's you too. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen. Come on, this might be hard, but it's true. Amen. It's true. Amen. So the first of the first fruits. Our tithe must be given in an act of faith. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so that they may be food in my house and test me now. And this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Tithing is a test. It's a test of faith. 
And many people don't see it that way. There's nowhere else in Scripture that God says, test me, except right here. And the reality is many people never tithe because they're fearful. And the root of the problem is they're fearful that they won't have enough, that they won't be able to make it. But how many of you know it's faith? you got to have faith. If you don't have faith in God, tithing is not going to be good enough. you got to have faith that God is who he says he will. He is, and he will do what he says he'll do. Amen? Come on, sometimes we don't tithe because of the fear that God won't come through for us. But listen, can't God be trusted? He says, test me in this. In other words, try me out. You think I can do it? He can do it. Amen. I love Brother Francis's testimony. Whenever he tells that story of, you know, whenever, you know, so he had, I mean, everybody would want this uh, opportunity, but he had somebody discipling him says, you start tithing. And if God don't take care of you, I'm going to return your tithe back to you. How many of you like that deal? But you know what? He said, man, we were broke to start off with, but we just came, you know, and just put up our little dollar bills, you know. I forget how much it was, but it wasn't much. And so they were bumping along, and, and it seemed like things went worse after they started tithing. Car broke down, they started walking and all this stuff. But all of a sudden, he went to town one day, and the, and the local pharmacist said, Hey, where, Brother Francis, where, where are you doing business now? And he said, Well, I'm doing business with you. And he said, Well, you hadn't been in the pharmacy for medicine in quite a while because his kids were always sick. And it dawned on him. After he finished the conversation, he said, oh, I haven't changed my, I didn't bring my business anywhere else. My kids just hadn't been sick. Come on, how many of you know the Lord knows what he's doing, saints? Come on, the Lord knows what he's doing. Amen. Come on, the Lord loves us. He wants to take care of us. How many of you know the Lord's not broke? He's not about to go bankrupt. Whether I tithe or not, his kingdom's going forward. He invites me to be a part, but I don't have to be a part. But come on, how many of you know the best thing to do is to be a part, amen? Come on, the question is, do we believe it or not? Do we believe it or not? So I encourage you to take this to heart. Take this to heart. And just obey God with your finances. And you know, man, part of what's so hard about even as a pastor teaching this, is that in my flesh, when I know somebody's struggling and, and I tell them and I want to encourage them to tithe and I know that, man, they won't be able to buy as much groceries or the same kind of groceries that they tithe. In my flesh, I want to say, oh, don't tithe. You, you just need that money right now. In my flesh, that's what I want to do. But how many of you know, I have no right to violate God's principles. And I have to have faith that if God said to do it, that God's going to bless the person to do it. If they got to use powdered milk instead of regular milk, God is going to put that money back in their pocket somehow, some way, because he's a God that doesn't lie. If he said it, he will do it, and he can be trusted. Amen? Come on, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Do me a favor and let's stand together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I feel like I just delivered a nine-pound baby. Somebody said, no, you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that's a little evangelistically speaking. 
But what I mean is I just, you know, it's really just to be honest with you. You know, Brother Francis sits down with us. You would, you would be surprised at how much the electricity bill is in this church. To keep all those units going all over this place. Keep the light bills. These pastors, they like to eat. Like on a regular basis. Their wives like to wear, you know, clothes. Thank God for that. Amen. But you know what? Listen, you know, every, every week people get saved in this church. Every week marriages get restored. Things happen for the kingdom of God. Planting churches all over the world. Things we couldn't do. We couldn't do a single thing of that. If it wasn't for this principle operating, does God know what he's doing or not? He knows what he's doing. Amen. Come on, can we just commit ourselves to the Lord? Come on, can we just say, listen, I don't want to believe a lie. Come on, sometimes we we have a stubborn thinking pattern. And man, it's stubborn. It's, It's strong. We say, I don't care what you say. I know what my Bible says. Come on. We all see through the glass dimly. And I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done for the last 32 years right here in this church and then I would dare not stop doing God's been too good to me God's been too faithful to me see my wife up here preaching this weekend and I see my daughter up here still serving God loving God there's nothing better saints there's nothing better. The fact that I wanted to get up, even though I'm the pastor, and I wanted to come to church today, praise God for that. There was a lot of day, a lot of weekends I wasn't in church. I was lost like a goose. I'm so grateful for my salvation. I'm so grateful for His grace in my life. What about you? What about you? Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for the Lord? And when I die, praise the Lord. Death is going to try to pull me down, but Jesus then broke that. And I'm going to get to resurrect with Jesus and live with him for eternity. Amen. I'm on to you too. You too. Amen. Woo. Pardon me. I just got a little soft right there. But come on, just bow your head with me for just a moment. You know, God's greatest desire is to keep our right, heart right with him. Because if you keep your heart right, then He can bless us. He can guide us. He can direct us. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to me or to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, really the most important thing is that God gets our heart. But if you're here today and you've never really surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, that's really the most important thing. Money is a way to get to your heart, but he's more interested in your heart. If you hear today and you've never given your life, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, you've never publicly proclaimed and, and, and dedicated your heart and your life to him, that's the first thing that you need to do. Because you could, the, the devil would let you give every dollar you have as long as you don't surrender your heart to him. You gotta give your life to him. You gotta be saved. You gotta be born again. You gotta have your sins forgiven. If you've never given your life to Christ, Listen, today is a great day for you to do that. 
I want to pray for you. If you say, Todd, would you pray a prayer for me? I want to know for sure that I'm a Christian. Would you pray that my sins would be forgiven? Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right where you are. Just raise your hand. Hold it up till I, till I can see it because I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to agree with, with you that today's the day that you're going to give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Don't, don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. Just be just be bold for the Lord. Just lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand. There you go. I see your hand way back here. Anybody else? Come on. This whole, this, right over here, ma'am, I see your hand. Come on, this is your day. This is your opportunity. The enemy will try to hold you back, but the Lord wants to deliver you today. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray this prayer. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying. Thank you for shedding your blood for my sins. So my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash my heart. Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Would you be the Lord of my life? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen. Those of you that lifted your hand and prayed that prayer, there's a card uh, in your pew that says, I made a decision, a green bar on the top of it. If you'll fill that out, bring it into the lobby or bring it up here. We have a Bible for you. We have some, a gift for you, some, some material for you to help get started in the greatest journey of life. Amen. I want to just pray a blessing over you as we... How many of you are tithers? I don't want you to raise your hand, but I, I just I just want to ask the question. How many of you are tithers? I just want you to just right there where you are, just thank God for the grace to do that. And I just, come on, just thank God. The windows are open for you today. Come on, just thank God. The, come on, the curse, the devourer is broken off your life. Come on, just declare that today. Come on, just proclaim that today. Thank you, Father God, that Lord, you're releasing your favor and your blessing. Father, I pray every person in this room, Jesus, you said, Lord, you said that you came, that we we might have life and then have it abundantly. I pray the abundance of the life of God would fill and flood every heart and every life in this building today. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a wonderful day. The Lord be with you as you go.